0: Warning This episode contains opinions on horror movies that may drive you into a blind rage and infuriate you. Listener discretion is advised. episode of Screaming Through the Ages here for the month of October. Now this is going to be one of those year in review episodes, but with a twist. In this case, I want to take a specific year and apply it because it is one of the most recent example of the topic I want to touch on today. Now what is all this? What am I talking about? What am I doing this episode on? Well, I do want to go through first and give some examples of movies within this topic. And then I want to switch to 2018 as a whole, give you my top 25, and then talk about what is unique about that 2018 top 25, or I think so. So the topic at hand is one that I'm sure has happened to every one of us at some point especially more now when we have all these horror podcasts that count down their best of for each year and give the movies that they love and they hated and everything in between. And what I'm talking about is the effect, the main thing I want to talk about is the effect that our opinions have upon horror movies or our opinions of horror movies and how they change based off what other people think. There are several different ways I want to go about this and several different topics within this. There is the simple fact of hating something and having to scream from the rooftops that you hate it when, you know, everyone loves it. There's that classic anti-establishment thing. There's the topic of you like a movie and then everyone else thinks it's the best thing in the world. So you find yourself going down further and further on it and having to kind of move a movie down your list, or move your opinion of a movie down on something that you did really like the first time. And then we have the role that knowing people's opinions, or seeing a trailer, or anything like that, and the effect that those have on you before you even go in to see the movie. I mean... It seems more than ever that there are just so many divisive horror films and so many strong opinions on each side. It's almost like you're not allowed to be in the middle anymore. There's also one other thing I want to talk about, and that is the perceived pressure or the pressure of rating a movie a certain score. I'm talking about classics. I'm talking about things that everyone loves, and if you don't give them a certain score, you give them a little lower score than normal you get kind of jumped on for those. So that is the main driving topic of this episode. Now, As I go through, I want to dissect it from a film-by-film basis for some of these movies, and I also want to go through 2018 and talk about why that was the prime example of this in my time being within this horror community anyway, where I felt the most isolated from everyone else who was out there putting lists together. Now, I should tell you, and those of you who know me and follow my ratings, know that I'm usually higher than most people. I'm not the highest. There are definitely people who go in and rate movies higher than me, but much like my buddy Brian Scott, I'm going into every movie wanting to love it and wanting to be impressed by it, and I do, and... I think that's why I have this higher scale, because I try to find things that I like in movies, even movies I hate. I have a hard time giving them below, you know, two stars, one letterbox, a two out of five stars, or, you know, four out of ten. I have a hard time going lower than that. And that's simply because I just do love movies, and I just want everything to be good. I want to like everything. I don't want to trash on things if I can help it. Sometimes I just can't help it. And I also try to stay away from trailers and reviews and anything like that until I watch a movie. Now sometimes I'll peek at the, or at least I used to, peek at the Rotten Tomato score. It doesn't really mean as much to me anymore because critics and audiences are so out of line with each other right now. I've never seen a time where, or at least when this stuff's been tracked, you can see a movie... And it'll have like eight critic reviews and it'll be like a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. And then you'll see the audience score out of hundreds of reviews and the thing will be like a 30 or vice versa. Critics will hate it and people love it. And I think that's a part of um, just rebelling against critics. The thing is now is that I care about what other podcasters have to say about movies. You know, I talk to people all the time whether that's on social media or within chats or whatever else, and I want to know their opinions on movies, because I care genuinely about the opinions of the horror community and other podcasters that I listen to more than I do any other critics out there. And I know a lot of the people doing podcasts are former critics, the ones that I listen to anyway, but I still hold the opinion of people I listen to all the time and know what their tastes are, higher than some random critic that I see online. Now, before we get into any movie examples, I want to talk about one of the points I made up front, because there's not really any specific movies I'm thinking of on this, but, well, I mean, there are. Let's go ahead and dig into this. This is going to set us off on the right foot. I've already made this opinion known on another episode I did with Jay of the Dead, Uh, Surprise, surprise, Jay drug out an unpopular opinion from me. That's something Jay has a habit of doing. But there's something that Jay talks about all the time, is not having these sacred cows and not having to feel a certain way about a movie. I feel, and I've gotten much better at this from when I was earlier doing reviews on Letterboxd or anything like that, of just giving movies the score I want to give them. Obviously if I had any concerns about that I wouldn't have put Amityville 1992 in my top 10 of 1992 you know I really liked the movie I put it there so the example I'm thinking of is so I came to horror really late I am younger than a lot of the people that I think I interact with in this community already being you know in my early 30s and then on top of that, I never really watched a ton of horror when I was a kid. I would catch things on AMC, I would catch things here and there. I didn't rent horror movies, my parents didn't let me rent horror movies, they didn't let me go to see horror movies, and to be honest with you, when I was a kid at that time, I didn't really want to. I had this weird fascination with horror and that kind of stuff, but I would have really bad I don't, anxiety, I think is the word I'm thinking of before I would go to bed watching any of these movies. Anytime I saw something really scary, I would think about it for weeks and I would just lay there in bed at night as a kid, not wanting to go to sleep, not thinking of the dreams I would have or, you know, anything along those lines. I hated having nightmares. I'd end up, you know, in my parents' room all the time. So I can only imagine what would happen if I was introduced to those horror movies all the time? Maybe I would have gotten over it, whatever. But I was much later. Now, that's not saying I disliked horror movies, but... And this is a a shame. I was talking to Nathan Bartleball the other day, and he was asking me, you know, what was your first horror movie you saw in the theater? And I wish I could have given this grand answer that... That You know, something cool, even if it was like a Final Destination or Scream or something like that at the time. Now, I had watched those on TV and other things like that. And I had watched other horror movies, of course, at the time. Things like eh, Sleepy Hollow is borderline horror, but it's horror. I'll go ahead and say that. And I watched, you know, some of the It miniseries and things like Tremors and all that when I was younger. But the first horror movie I saw in a theater, it was as a senior in high school... And I went with, and again, it didn't help that I was young for my class. I didn't turn 17 until the, I think the week before I started my senior year. So I was very young. I was 17 when I graduated high school. I was 17 when I started college. That's just how it was. And as a high school kid at the time, going to a movie with a couple other guys and a couple of girls, what were big at the time? Well, remakes. Remakes there were better remakes out there. Unfortunately, we stumbled into Prom Night 2008. Yes, that was my first horror movie in a theater was Prom Night 2008. I remember thinking it was okay at the time, but I was a kid in high school. What did I know? So when I see someone like Jackson, who's been brought up on horror movies and loves horror movies and has been so much deeper into horror movies than I was at his age, that... You know, that makes me happy, and that makes me feel good for future generations, and hopefully what I can introduce my kids to someday. We'll see. I'm not going to push anything on them. I'm not going to try to give my kids nightmares, even though I have a daughter who absolutely loves Halloween, and I'm so proud of that. But they're going to be able to like what they like, and I'm just going to have the tools here for them if they want to explore that. But circling back, I say all this because... I came in late to horror movies. So what I would do, and I've talked about this on Father and Son I think a couple times because two of the movies that we've covered are two of those that I were I was watching at this time. So what I would do when I was in when I was in college, I got I remember getting Netflix streaming for the first time. And we also still had a movie gallery there in this backwater southwestern Pennsylvania town. So I was able to rent stuff as well. But I just remember my junior or senior year staying up and marathoning things like all of John Carpenter's movies. Like The Thing. I had seen Halloween, of course, previously and loved it, but seen like The Thing and Prince of Darkness and They Live and things like that for the first time when I was in college. And I would stay up late at night and watch all these movies. I was just really starting to get into it. And around that time, there were things like wreck and let the right one in that were hitting and really pulling me in to the genre and paranormal activity was a big one for me if I've never told that story for paranormal activity I was in college and I lived in the underclassmen dorms by myself and my friends lived over in the upperclassmen dorm which was probably a little like it's on so the back entrance to my dorm was on the same road just on opposite sides of the street, and it was probably like a, probably not even a quarter-mile a walk to get between the dorms. So not too far from each other, but it was just a back road between the dorms with nothing else out there, and there wouldn't be anyone walking or anything like that late at night. Well, we watched Paranormal Activity there because, listen, it was about 30 minutes to drive to the nearest movie theater. As college kids... We didn't really do that. So there were other ways of watching movies. And we heard a lot of people buzzing about paranormal activity. And that's how we saw paranormal activity. We saw it in their dorm room at like midnight on Saturday night with all the lights turned off. And then after that movie, I have to walk back to my dorm at like 2 a.m. There's absolutely no one out on this Saturday night. It's completely quiet. And I'm walking on this dark street back to my dorm to go sleep alone. It was an interesting night, but it's things like that that got me into loving the genre. Well, fast forward, and we get into when I'm out of college, and I'm back at home working in my hometown, and on weekends, especially in October, I think it was pretty much exclusively in October, when I would have these weekend marathons. How crazy was I with these? Well, I would actually schedule out based on runtime, which movies to watch when to get in the most movies, and I would even factor in things like food breaks and all this, and I would do this for an entire weekend or two in a row. You can tell my social life was booming at this point. But that's neither here nor there. The thing was is I was watching all of these classic movies for the very first time. And when you go in knowing something's a classic or a cult classic or whatever... You have certain expectations, and I feel like now, especially in the days of Letterboxd and all these other ways to rate movies, expectations have never been higher, and you're just expected to like every single classic movie. You can't do that. You're not going to like every classic movie. You're not going to like every movie that everyone loves every year. There's going to be movies that almost unanimously make people's top fives you're not going to like all of those. Probably not. So that's where I think there's this pressure, especially coming in as someone late who didn't watch these movies gradually. I would watch them up against each other all at the same time. That's where you get these expectations of, oh, this is a classic movie. This has to be rated a certain score. Case in point, and I will tell you, I have tried to watch, and that's the thing. I will always give something... I almost always will give something a second chance if someone's urging me to or if I know it's something that I should like. I will try to give it a second chance a couple years later under different circumstances. I've tried for three times now. And I just don't... It's not that I dislike the movie. It's just I don't feel strongly about it. I mean, it's a six and a half for me. And that is Frankenstein. That is... isn't you know, the 1930s Frankenstein, that's how I feel about it. I know it's considered this great classic, I know everyone loves it. I just don't. I don't really feel much for it at all, honestly. And that's okay. I mean, I love Dracula. I love the Wolfman. I like the Mummy and the Invisible Man. It's not that I don't like Universal Monster movies. It's just Frankenstein, for whatever, isn't my thing. It's okay. I don't hate the movie. I don't have any ill will towards the movie because everyone loves it. But yeah, that's just how I feel. And if that shakes and rattles you, you better buckle in or turn off the episode because it's about to get so much worse. Because we're talking recent movies, and I feel like there's still some of that in here where you're going to be like, what? How can you not like this movie? But that's the first point I want to make. You shouldn't feel pressured to rate anything a certain way. You should rate it the way you're feeling. If you're not genuine with yourself and your scores, I mean, what are you doing it for? Are you doing it to get attention, to get people to like you, to not have the fallout or vitriol? No, you should just say how you feel, and you're going to feel a lot better afterwards. You might get a couple of mean messages and all that kind of stuff, but it's all right. Uh, You know, sometimes if you put trimmers at number... Five on your 1990 horror movies list on your 1990 episode, you're gonna get some hate, apparently, but that's okay. Rate the movies the way you want to rate them, rank them the way you want to rank them. Just be honest about it. So that's the first point out of the way. Now we're gonna get into some concrete examples of some of the other things I was talking about. One piece of this puzzle is people aren't giving attention to a movie or people aren't liking a movie in the way that you like it, or they hate a movie, so you're going to want to champion that movie. And I've done that a lot. I've done that with The Medium from last year, certainly. I do that with a lot of these weirder movies that I watch, and I feel like people aren't talking about enough. It's like, why are you putting this movie so high on your list when there are other movies that are better than that, in my mind? And that's what I think we think, right? The world revolves around us in our own minds. And there's one thing I want to bring attention to, and that is this year's film, The Innocence*, which I have been championing all year and will most likely make my top ten list at the end of the year. And I love this movie. And there's a certain podcaster, Jay of the Dead, who, over on Jay of the Dead's new horror movies, gave... The innocence a 5.5. Now this isn't the first time I've disagreed with Jay. It certainly won't be the last. I don't think we usually link up on a lot of the movies we like, but I respect Jay a lot, and I'm able to say, okay, I gotta put my frustration aside with this score that you gave this movie that I would give, you know, a nine something, and you're giving it a five point five. You know, what's up with that? you got to put that aside, and I respect Jay, I respect his opinion. You've just got to move on, and this is why, and I think that's part of the reason why it drives me to promote this thing even more than I do, because I want other people to see it there and be like, no, it's not just this 5.5 movie, it's a great movie. Obviously, people aren't always going to care. I throw out suggestions for weird, foreign movies all the time because... I really do like international horror. Does that mean international horror is going to make up my entire top 10 list? Am I going to move all the international horror movies into my top 10 and bump out the big budget Hollywood films? No, I think if you've heard any of my list, that's definitely not the case, especially this year. I think there's going to be a ton of movies that I saw in theaters that are going to be I think they're going to be dominating the list. Let's say that in the innocence I did not see in the theater. But that's one side of the coin, and that's the easier side of the coin to understand. You love something, other people are tearing it down. You want to go in and protect that movie and promote that movie. What I want to talk about on the flip side is this hating something because people love it or moving it down further because people love it. I think we're all guilty of this. I think when you hear someone's top 10, your first thought is they put that movie there. I've had that a bunch of times. I mean, I've had people think that of my list a bunch of times as well, and that's fine. I want to start this off, and this is where I'm going to go down and talk about all these movies, and give examples, starting with the most recent, and then we will work our way to 2018. I'll give my list, and I'll tell you why all of your favorites of 2018 aren't on my top 25 list. Why don't we start with 2022? Now, there's one movie I've been pretty vocal about not liking, and that is The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let me give you a little background on how I watched The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. So, I was... I was trepid. I was trepidatious about going into this thing. But I was also kind of excited. You know, you've got this big movie coming out on Netflix. I wanted to see it, and see how they moved things around so the circumstances for this one i knew nothing about it but i did speak with someone that i talked to movies about frequently about this movie beforehand and they kind of made it seem like they didn't like the movie did that make a difference in how i felt about the movie i don't know that was the only opinion trailer or anything i knew going into the movie When I came out the other side, I was very harsh on the movie, and I jumped on the train of bashing this thing. I saw a lot of people bashing this thing, and then later in the day as it progressed, you see a lot of people loving it. So what happened here? I think this became one of the most divisive movies of 2022. Either you loved it or you hated it. Personally, I think I was a little too hard on it the first time around, and I might have even ramped my score up a little it doesn't change the fact that I didn't really like the movie and I'm not going to really like the movie I might watch it again someday maybe you know maybe I was too hard on this thing but but then shortly after I had heard once again Jay the Dead's new horror movies podcast and they talked about this thing and they all loved it and they were giving it nines and 9.5s and all this stuff And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what's going on? And now I'm getting angry. (laughs) So to the point of where I, and I like, listen, those guys are are great over there. And all the guys that were talking about that are great. Joel and Dave and Watson and Jay and everyone who was on that. They're great. I'm not trying to tear them down. I really like them all as people. Not say anything else about that. But I wrote in and I was kind of um venting my frustration with the movie and how I thought that there was no way they could come to the conclusions they came to knowing all these people. So and then Dave and Jay kind of did a reaction to that, and I thought that was pretty funny, um, and great of them to even take time doing that. But yeah. Not a fan of TCM 2022, and that's okay. Should I have been angry? At Jay, and Joel, and Dave, and Watson, and whoever else is reviewing that. I think that might have been the crew. No, I shouldn't. But that's part of our natural response. And looking back, I mean, you can rate a movie whatever you want. I think they were just also relieved that none of them hated it, that they were kind of riding a high there. But that's for them. That's for them to decide. That is their score. I shouldn't have any effect or any opinion on their score. (laughs) Their life's too short to be worried and get worked up over something like that. So that's one example from this year. Another one is actually a movie I like. And this is a little bit of a different twist. And that is the sadness from this year. Now the sadness is something I heard hyped through the roof before it ever released. By a couple people that frequent you know, the Facebook community. I think Jason Widgington and Amanda Lee both absolutely adored this thing. So I had those expectations going into this movie. And I love especially Asian horror films. So I was going in thinking this was going to be the best thing I ever saw. This and that. And heard it was pretty brutal and all that. But I went in anyway. I came out on the other side and... I really did like the movie, but it didn't blow me away, and I was expecting to be blown away by it. Now, what did I come down on this movie at? Probably around uh, an 8. I would, I think I came down about an 8, which is still a good score. I mean, for me, I'm really happy when I see a, a 7, a 7.5 out of 10, and an 8's going up even further on that scale. I really do like this movie. But there are a lot of people out there and this is their favorite movie of the year and for some their favorite movie in several years. So now I'm starting to get these feelings in my head of oh the sadness is overrated and preparing myself for the best of 2022 list by the podcast and people out there that are going to have the sadness number one or number two when I'm It's probably going to sit around the middle of the pack. It will almost definitely at this point make my top 25 when I do my episode. We'll have to see where it lands and how the rest of the year ends out. But it's in solid enough footing right now that it probably will. And again, I like this movie. I have to stop myself a lot and say, why are you caring about how other people think of this movie? And why are you caring that people are way higher than you on this thing? I'm way higher on a lot of things that people think are just complete trash and garbage. So here's here's my thoughts on the sadness. It's a good movie. I like the movie. I shouldn't be penalizing it for anything that anyone else says. Jason is allowed to love this movie. Amanda is allowed to love this movie. I shouldn't care about it. And at the same time, I should be helping to celebrate this movie instead of feeling any kind of negativity about it. Because you know what? I really do like where the ending of this movie goes. I like a lot of things in this movie. I'm just playing back in my mind through this movie now. And I'm liking it a lot more than I've been putting it down, you know, ever since about a couple weeks after release when everyone was getting around to seeing this the movie just kept moving down in my mind and down in my mind because people were loving this thing and I wasn't, even though I really liked it. But now, I'm just sitting here thinking about it. Yeah, it's going back up to where it was, I think, when I first watched it. So, that's a lesson to learn is just because everyone else is loving this thing, there's no reason to have to have a differing opinion. Now, I have I'm a good deal below what other people are giving this. And I still do think it's a must watch. I mean, if I'm given a top 25, most of those I'm going to say are must watches or why am I even recommending them in the first place? A lot of people say, you know, you don't need more than a top 10. You should stick with your top 10 and that's it. Anything else is two more. The thing with me is I want to appreciate and... Elevate a lot of these horror movies Especially the smaller ones that I like And maybe people aren't talking about as much There's no way for me to do a top 10 And I seriously respect anyone who does a top 10 And stays at a top 10 Because that is tough business Especially last year I watched well over 100 horror movies This year I'm probably on pace for 80 or 90 Still that's a lot. That's a lot of horror movies and it's hard to... I mean, you're getting down if you're doing just a top 10. Everything on my top 10 list is going to probably be an 8 or maybe even an 8.5 and higher some of these years. Now, you go back further, it's harder to build a top 10. It's... It gets more confusing and muddled, but these recent years have just been so good that it's very hard to do a top 10. Okay, so that was 2022. The little couple of blips on my radar from this year. Let's go back a year further. I want to talk about one of the most divisive films that I think we've had in the horror community for a while, and that is Malignant. And I think, like I've illustrated, that a lot of times there is piling on something, or you're hating something because people love it, you're hating it out of spite, this and that, whatever. Whatever the reason may be. Malignant I don't know if I really felt a lot of spite for this movie. What I felt for this movie was genuinely you didn't like it, or genuinely you loved it. I don't think there was... There wasn't much in between. There were people that were in between on it, but as someone who loved this movie and had it number four on their 2021 horror movies list, yeah, I absolutely loved it. But it was just... It's crazy seeing how far apart people were on that movie. I mean, you had people giving it perfect scores and you had people giving it way on the other end, hating this movie. And I could absolutely see it, but I think malignant more than anything, we were getting a lot of honest opinions on that. I don't really think people were hating it to hate it, at least from what I was seeing. I think it was pretty genuine. And that was a good example of that. And we'll get into a movie from 2021 here next. But Malignant was a different story. I can absolutely... Now, there are certain movies that I have no idea how anyone could put them as their number one. Malignant is one of those ones where I absolutely understand if you have it number one. And I absolutely understand if you have it at, like, number 100 out of 100 movies you watched. I think it's a very well-made movie. And it's much more made for me with the kind of homages it's sending up but absolutely understand that one malignant is not a movie that you're going to hear me argue with you about if you hate it i'm going to love talking to you about it if you loved it but this isn't a movie that affects me either way regardless of where you rate it because i know i love it i know people hate it i can see that and there are other movies like this obviously If I think about Wrong Turn from last year, which I really liked, I did really like, but with the amount of strong movies, I mean, I think I still gave that thing like a 6.5 bordering on a 7, and it was nowhere near my top 25, but when someone puts that around their top 25, I'm like, yeah, I'd absolutely liked that movie, I've got nothing wrong with it, nothing bad to say about it, but those are those certain movies where I don't mind if they've been elevated. Something like Color Out of Space, which I liked a whole lot, and some people were having as their number one of the year. And I'm fine with that. I don't bear any ill will towards those. And then, there are movies like Halloween Kills, where, and I'm sorry, Greg, please don't hate me, Greg. Greg from over at Land of the Creeps, please, Greg Mortis, don't hate me. But I don't see how anyone... Could actually think this was the best movie of the year. And I have some major issues with the Halloween reboots here. And to cap it off, I... If we're talking Halloween reboots, I absolutely love the original Halloween. It's my favorite horror movie of all time. One of the first horror movies I saw. I love Halloween 2 and 3 and 4. So I'm not a Halloween hater. And I do remember liking Halloween and Halloween 2 when they came out and I was in college watching them. Now looking back, I don't really like either of those now. But I'm trying to say, I do like a lot of Halloween movies. And when 2018 came out, and we're going to have to talk about this now, when 2018 came out, I really did like it. And I think I ended up giving it like an 8 or something like that. I mean, I think when I... Set up my original 2018 list that I sent into Horror Movie Podcast. I think it was at least in the honorable mentions if it didn't make the top 10. So I did like the movie. And then everyone loved this thing. And it was number one on people's list, number two on people's list. And I was thinking, that's a bit high. I mean, There are some bad elements of that film. There are a lot of really good things, but over time, I gradually dropped the movie down on my list a few spaces here and there when I would think of something else I didn't like about the movie. Well, I got to a point where I was like, okay, that's enough. Let's rewatch this movie. Let's reassess and stop messing around with my ratings. It's either going to go up higher back to where it originally was or it's going to plummet. Well, it fell quite a bit on my rewatch, so much so that I moved it down to, I think, a 7 or so, or maybe even a 6.5. It fell quite a bit from my initial rating, and, you know, did that movie fall because of all the buzz it was getting from other people, and I just thought it was overrated? Did it fall because it just didn't hold up on a second viewing? I don't know. I really don't know what's the cause of it. If I really didn't, Like the movie, or if outside forces had any impact on that. So, that's my stance going into Halloween Kills. I was excited about Halloween Kills. I did not see it in the theater. I watched it on Peacock here at home, and I was pretty excited to see it still, because even if I gave the original a 7 or 6.5, I still liked it. And then I watched the movie, and it became very clear to me that 2018 first of all, was a lot better than this one. And that there was an inherent problem in the writing and dialogue of Halloween Kills for me. And then I had to see people loving Halloween Kills and just generally saying how much they loved it and how it's this old throwback and it doesn't matter if the characters are good or bad. Same thing came up in TCM. Now listen, I'm no snob. I love a lot of the 80s slashers. I really do. I don't necessarily need good acting all the time. But when your characters are all detestable and have terrible lines of dialogue, which I feel like that is for the most part what went on in Halloween Kills, there was a lot of bad stuff in there. I don't even want to bring up the atrocious hospital scene because that's the low-hanging fruit. And what we get, a lot of people thought, you know, that final confrontation with Michael was cool. I thought it was pretty lame and just not good at all. But there are not a lot of people that share that opinion. A lot of people still think this is fun and it's a fun movie. I think maybe the Real Talk guys share in my, you know, less than stellar opinion on the David Gordon Green films. And that's why I'm not at all excited about Halloween Ends. I'll watch it, but I'll go in with the absolute lowest expectations. I think that's probably part of why I did not like Halloween Kills, is I was already on a sour note with the original movie. And Halloween Kills, as you can imagine, I don't, I didn't destroy it. I mean, I think it's like a 5.5 or something for me. I know a lot of people it's a 10 or a 9 or at least like an 8 or something, and they really liked it. For me, it's nowhere near my top 50, even, from 2021. I just don't think it was a great movie, and I think it was jumbled and disjointed, and yeah, I didn't like a whole lot about it. And that's just... That's just what happens sometimes. You're not always going to come away and like a movie that everyone loves, and I think this new Halloween trilogy is a good example of that. Now, I'm not going to make... Any comments on Halloween Ends yet because I haven't seen it. But this is one that hurts because I wish I could be there loving 2018 and Halloween Kills with everyone. But I just truthfully can't. I can't be less harsh on these films. I've got to say what I need to say about them. And yeah, it's going to be a pain point again if I don't like Halloween Ends because I know that a lot of people are going to have Halloween ends high on their list. Alright, if you haven't turned this thing off in a rage yet, we're going to keep on moving and jump up to a different year. Okay, so this isn't going to win me any points from the Father and Son Watch Horror Podcast. They'll probably never invite me back on again. But there are a trio of movies that I need to discuss that I just didn't like a whole lot and didn't resonate with me. I should preface this by saying I think 2020 is one of the deepest years in horror that we've gotten in recent memories, even with the shutdown. I think people were scrambling to get all of these lower-key movies out and everyone was buying up everything they could. I think it was very strong. That's why these three movies kind of got lost in the shuffle. First up is Relic. And with Relic... Probably about a third of the way through or halfway through that movie, I was loving that movie. And, yeah, I don't know. I There was just some point when it switched and my mood turned to disappointment instead. And that was the first one. Now, I don't bear any ill will against any of these movies at all. I don't have any strong feelings against them. Especially because I think all three of them are around a seven for me. I don't I don't dislike these movies at all. But I just didn't... I mean, they fell so far back on my list just because, one, I think it was a strong year, and two, they just disappointed me in different ways. But I know Relic was high on a lot of people's list. It just didn't connect with me. And then you have VFW, which was also high on people's list. Now, I think VFW was fun. I think it's a good movie. But didn't really do a whole lot for me in the sense of me being in a fervor about it and putting it in a top-of-or-best-of list. And that's just how I feel about that one. I don't have a whole lot to say one way or another, but this was another one that I knew was in a lot of people's list. And then you have the last one, which I think is probably the most painful for some people, and that is his house. And I just didn't get his house. I... I tried. I wanted it to connect with me. It just didn't. I mean, yeah, there's some... And I'm not going to say... I think all three of these are well-made movies. And I do like them. His house just kind of... and the, More so than the other two... Just kind of fell flat for me. And didn't affect me in the way it affected others. And all three of these plummeted down my list. As the year went on and I was watching more movies. Uh, and it... It pained me because I do want to like things that other people like. And then I start thinking, oh, maybe I'm missing something. And these are ones that I would put in the category of movies I don't hate, I actually like to an extent, that I probably should rewatch someday. And I think I will. I think eventually... Now, VFW, I think, is more of it is what it's going to be. But maybe Relic and maybe His House... I'll see something on a second viewing that I just didn't see. I'm very open to re-watching stuff, and especially things that I didn't hate the first time around. It was just surprising for me when I'm seeing Best of 2020 list, and these movies start to linger around the top. I didn't completely get it, but you know I'm going to respect your opinion on what you want to put in your list. So those are three that fall in that category of, like, I like these movies... They're not anything great for me, but people seem to love them. And maybe I should give them a rewatch. And then we have one more short stop to make before we get to the meat of, you know, the 2018 year and why it was so bad for me. Now, 2019 is a weird year. I think my top three are ones that would find their way into most people's list of that year, if not like their top 10 or higher, you know, not higher up on their top 10 list. Then we get into a string of movies where I don't know if people would. It's the opposite way. You know, I love these movies and other people don't feel so great about them. And that's okay. 2019 is a topic for another day. I think 2019 was a very weird year for me because you do have these big theater experience movies and then you have a lot of these theater experiences that fell flat for people. You have a lot of the weird indie movies that could go one way or another. Um, You've got some remakes that I... For the most part, I'm trying to remember what other remakes there were, but I know there were at least a few that I really liked that people didn't necessarily care for. That's about the only hint I'm going to give you on 2019. But there are a couple of movies in 2019 that I honestly just did not care for, and... Oh, man, if the... If the Halloween thing didn't get me crucified, this next one is going to get me. But the two movies that I thought were overhyped out of, 2019 and movies I just didn't like a whole lot, were Tigers Are Not Afraid and The Lighthouse. I don't like The Lighthouse. We're just going to be up front. Eggers' other films, I really like. The Lighthouse is not my thing. I started off liking The Lighthouse. I was very excited to see The Lighthouse. It doesn't matter if I rewatch this movie. It's not going to be my thing. It just isn't. And that's okay. It's not my type of movie. People love this thing. People were over the moon about The Lighthouse. And we're just going to leave it there because I don't know what else to say about The Lighthouse except for didn't really like it that much. Now, Tigers Are Not Afraid fit into that category of things like his house and Movies like that, and I should preface this by saying I watched this movie in the hospital while we were waiting for my wife to give birth, so maybe the circumstances weren't necessarily right for this one. I don't dislike Tigers Are Not Afraid, I just don't get the big deal or the big hype around it. Unlike The Lighthouse, I will absolutely rewatch Tigers Are Not Afraid someday and see if my rating goes up. But those are the two big ones, I think. So if I didn't already, what is the point of this episode anymore? Because if I didn't already put myself through enough torture by admitting the other things I've admitted early on, I've offered up, you know, I was supposed to talk about 2018 the movies I didn't like. Now I've offered up fuel from every which way with Frankenstein, The Lighthouse, and Halloween and all this. It didn't need to be done, but there it is. So those are just some of the movies that I've had a disconnect on, but I think... In general, now I will always have weird low-budget indie movies that I put higher than other people put them. That's fine, I don't care. I'm sure no one else really cares that much. But these are the ones that stood out as the major disconnects from my list and other people's list. Everything else, it's fine with me. But 2018 was something altogether different. In 2017, I think late 2016, early 2017, I was just getting into the horror community stuff. I was just getting into deeper podcast. I used to listen to a corporate horror podcast. Well, that one ended, and I was looking to fill a void, and somehow, you know, I tried six or seven horror movie podcasts that were on the top of the list, and which one won out? It was horror movie podcast, HMP. That was the only one that stuck Out of that initial list. And since then I learned about all kinds of good horror podcasts from that podcast. And then there have been countless great podcasts that have spun off from Horror Movie Podcast. Whether it's former host or listeners of that show. It's created a ton of podcasts and a ton of buzz in the community. So when I'm submitting my list and I'm putting together my best of list. And... I'm starting to feel like part of a community. And I really do love, like, they were doing the listeners list and compiling that stuff. Well, in 2018, I never felt more disjointed and disconnected from this horror community that I had recently joined a year, year and a half earlier. 2018 ended up being such a weird year for me. It's honestly one of the weirder best of lists, I think, that I have. It's pretty, it's pretty shoddy at points. I mean, there there were standouts for 2018 that I loved and a lot of people loved, and they're at the top of my list for sure. But after those couple, I think there's a big drop off, and then you start to get weirder stuff where it's, you know, one of those years where there's not a big hard hitting movie. I think last year was one of those, where there it wasn't a consensus top three movies, you know, these are the best three movies. You just kind of have things all over the place, and you get all these weird different lists thrown together. Well, that was 2018 for me, because a lot of the mainstays that were hitting high on people's list were at the bottom of my list. (laughs) So it was was a rough year for that aspect. Before we talk about any of those, I do want to give you, and this is my new and improved, 2018 horror movies list. Now, with everything else going on and preparing for October and all these big episodes I'm doing, I didn't have time to go back and revisit the movies that I didn't like initially. I've revisited some of those before, but there are still a few that I need to rewatch and reassess and see how I feel about them. I did watch a couple of new movies, though, that I hadn't seen before, because honestly, I didn't have time to finish out my 2018 list. There were probably about six or seven movies left to watch for 2018. Most of them have lower scores on Letterboxd, which doesn't mean I won't like them. And a lot of them are, you know, international films that most people haven't watched anyway that I've seen on a list here or there. And they're probably going to be hard to track down. So I didn't have time for all that. I did watch three new ones and re-watched three others to prepare for this, because there were three movies I wasn't sure about. And there were... The three top new movies that I hadn't seen before that I wanted to see. With all that being said, let me go ahead and give you my top 25 in Screaming Through the Ages fashion that I, you know, I'm going to do for these year and list every time. Let's give you my top 25. And keep in mind, this has changed a lot since the initial 2018 list that I sent over to HMP. Just because I've rewatched some stuff, I've watched newer stuff that I didn't catch at the time, it's a lot different. But it's still not less alienating, and you'll see what I mean here in a minute. So this list is a little weird. It's comprised of, I mean, if you compare it for a minute, with the year later, 2019, when I had 13 out of my top 25 movies be these, what I'm going to call, theater experiences. You know, they're not necessarily by big studios, but they were put out in a theater pretty widely available my 2018 list has four of those and that's it and it's not like the 2020 list where we couldn't go to the theaters for a whole lot of the time it's just there's only four of those and then there are seven international foreign language films on here which is really no surprise if you know me And then there's a few of those, you know, bigger profile Netflix exclusive type or streaming exclusive movies. Oh, there's more than that. There's like five or six of those, honestly. So you would expect that from 2020, but this was just a weird, I'm telling you, this list is weird. So let me get into it here and count down from 25, just like the late, great Casey Kasem. So number 25 was What Keeps You Alive, and this is one that I just watched this week preparing for this episode. I really liked it. There are things that I didn't like about it. But hey, it was a pretty solid survival movie. You've got Unfriended Dark Web, which I would have never given a chance before. I think that's a really good movie. I think it's a really solid, fun movie. I like both of the Unfriended movies. I mean, I'm a huge screen life and found footage movie fan, so that one crept in a little later you've got The Ritual, which I definitely watched Day One uh, by David Bruckner you've got Veronica, those and Cam, I think at 23, 22, and 21 I believe those were all Netflix exclusive streamers Cam was something I came to later, Veronica and The Ritual I was there from the beginning I like all three of those films a whole lot then you've got Ganjam Haunted Asylum, which I came to. I think that came off of HMP, that that was recommended to me. So I came to that one later. And then you've got Tau, T-A-U, at number 19. And, and sorry, Ganjam Haunted Asylum was number 20. Tau's number 19. And how much of that was because Micah Monroe was in it? And I, you know, big Micah Monroe fan? We'll never know. But I did really like Tau when I came later to that one. Then at number 18, you have Mike Flanagan's Before I Wake, which I think is woefully underrated in his filmography. It was one that, I think that was... It was after Hush, because Hush did get put out on Netflix as well, but that was just one of those straight-to-Netflix ones that I think people underestimated. At number 17 was a similar thing, which I think this one launched on Netflix too, was Cargo with Martin Freeman. And I think Cargo is a really cool zombie film. And I think both of those movies back-to-back have a lot of heart. Up next at 16, I had Cold Hell, which I just watched this morning before I'm recording this podcast. And I really like Cold Hell. It's a really cool Neo, Giallo, Brian De Palma type movie. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Number 15 is Tumbad, which is one of the best Indian horror films. If you haven't checked out any Indian horror, you should get on that. They've got some pretty cool stuff coming out of there. It's usually about one a year that comes out. You know, we had Tombod, which I came to again later. Then we had Bulbul and then Chihori from last year. So there's some good stuff coming out of India horror-wise. Number 14 is Butterfly Kisses, which is a found footage movie that I really like. If you're found footage, you're automatically going to be pushed up my list a little bit. That's just a sad fact. Number 13 is Pie Wacket. This is one that I think people were less high on than I was, but, you know, I really liked Pie Wacket. I think it was a cool witch movie and maybe a little underrated at the time. Time will tell. I think there's a theme here that a lot of these movies were unsung or underrated, that I've talked about so far. Number 12 is one that's not going to please the masses, and that's You Might Be the Killer. I'm sorry, but having Alison Hannigan in this meta comedy horror movie, I just loved it, even though I know it's not for everyone. At number 11, you had Apostle, which was also a straight-to-Netflix movie by Gareth Evans, who, if you have not seen The Raid Redemption and The Raid 2... You need to go see those. Some of the best martial arts movies I've ever seen. And Apostle was this great folk horror film. I'm not going to get into a whole lot of it, but I think that was... A lot of people were giving that one buzz. And my top ten, we've got at number ten the classic Indonesian film by Timo Tihanto, and that is May the Devil Take You. And I really loved this movie. I really love... Indonesian horror, and speaking of which, The Raid and The Raid 2 were both filmed in Indonesia. So, May the Devil Take You, and I really liked its sequel as well. Number 9 is a movie that I've pretty much always loved since it came out. Now, loved is maybe a strong word because this is still, we're still in like the 8 range for me right now. But it's Hellfest. I saw this thing in the movie. I love the whole theme park, amusement park, horror type thing. I love that because I love going to those haunted attractions like that. Those when they turn theme parks into horror experiences. I love it. And you know, we've went to we've went to several in the area with between Kings Island and Cedar Point and Kennywood in Pennsylvania and Bush Gardens. There's so many great ones out there. And this movie managed to capture some of that for me, and I thought it was a really fun new type of slasher. So, I know people were kind of harsh on that, but I've always been high on that movie. Number eight was The Witch in the Window. This is one I wasn't sure about, and I had to rewatch this week. And point stands The Witch in the Window is still a great movie that I like a lot. It's a really personal ghost story and a story about a father and his son. And yeah, that's a definite, that was a Shudder exclusive. I love The Witch in the Window, and it's been cemented for me with a rewatch this week. Number seven is Good Manners, which I was introduced to through uh, Dave Becker over on HMP. And that is, I believe, is that Brazilian? It's Brazilian, yes. And that's a really cool werewolf movie. I like Good Manners a lot. Number six is The Clove Hitch Killer, and this is something I was also introduced to by... HMP, maybe, in their top ten. I did learn about a lot of movies on that 2018 list, but Cloverfield Killer was definitely one of them, and I really like that. I'm always up for a kids or teenagers centric horror movie. That's something I've always just loved. Speaking of, number five is The Summer of 84, which I remember getting a lot of good buzz, but still got a lot of criticisms as well. But that hits into my number five slot. Number four, speaking of Indonesia, is Yoko Arnoir's Satan's Slaves. And this is the other one that I rewatched this week, and it went up quite a bit on rewatch. I think I gave it an eight before. It's bumped up to a nine, and it's moved into my top four. Because *Impetigore* was one of my favorite when that came out, so I knew I had to give this one another shot. It did not deserve to be outside of the top ten, and that's true upon rewatch. It's a great movie. Number three is another slasher that people loved to crap on at the time and are slowly coming around to it, and that is The Strangers' Prey at Night. It was in my top three the entire year. It did not falter from that position. And The Strangers' Prey at Night, it's such a stylistic movie. It's so good. I like it better than the original Strangers. That's maybe just me, but I love Strangers' Prey at Night. But you see what I'm talking about, how weird that is, that I've got movies like The Strangers Pray at Night and Summer of 84 and The Witch in the Window and Hellfest in my top ten. Other years, I don't know if those would have made it in the top ten, or at least not as high as they did. Uh, number two and number one are pretty boring. At number two, I have Hereditary, which is Ari Oster's debut. Loved that movie. And the number one was A Quiet Place, which, again, loved that movie. One of the only movies I've seen with my wife, horror movies, in a theater, it's pretty much that, and then The Night House from this past year, which she absolutely hated. So, she did come around on A Quiet Place, but not until later on she had a chance to think about it. Alright, let's get it to talking about The Elephants in the Room. What didn't you hear on there? This led to, I mean, when I was hearing the host list for this year, and... I was hearing the combined audience list, my jaw kind of dropped. I was just like, what? Now, I'm not trying to, you know, say anything about HMP because that's one of my favorite podcasts ever, and I do wish they'd come back, but this was something that just, I just want to go through their top tens real quick and go over that list and just see how far they varied from mine and see if I'm still remembering how disjointed our lists were. So let's start with, and thank you to whoever runs that horror movie podcast account over on Letterboxd, because unfortunately these weren't in the show notes, and outside of going back and listening to those episodes and putting these together, they're put together nice and neatly over there on the horror movie podcast Letterboxd, so thank you to whoever does that. Um, Let's actually start with Jay, since that's the first one here, and see Jay's top ten. Let's see, we have... Ravenous at number 10, so that was one I don't even think I saw. The Stranger's Pray at Night at number 9. The Ritual at number 8, which I think is a little overrated for that one, but I do like The Ritual a lot. Bird Box at number 7, which I think is way overrated. The House That Jack Built at number 6, which I've never seen. Hereditary at number 5, which I'm perfectly fine with. Halloween at number 4, which we know did not make my top 25, Satan's Slaves at number 3, which is incredible that Jay has it up there, number 2 is Incident in a Ghost Land, which I didn't like a whole lot, I was middle of the road on that one, and number 1 was A Quiet Place, so Jay's list, I feel like not that far off from mine, so let's continue and see if I'm completely wrong about this year. Okay, I just looked at Wolfman Josh's list, and I am not completely off at least, uh, number 10 is Terrified, which I just didn't get. I mean, there's some definitely creepy parts in that. And I think it's a good enough movie. It just wasn't it wasn't great for me. Uh, Mon 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 Monsters, which I did not like at all. Annihilation, which I liked. That one was just outside of my top 25, and we can talk about that later. Revenge at number 7, which I did not like at all. Uh, Number six is Hereditary, which I'm fine with. Number five is Halloween. we have already talked about that. Number four is Suspiria, which I loathe. We will get into Suspiria in just a minute. Number three is Mandy, which I also don't like at all. Number two is Searching, which I still have not seen Searching. I don't know if it's a horror movie, but hey, I haven't seen it, so I can't judge. And number one is A Quiet Place, so... You can see what I'm saying is the top of my list, at least my top two, are probably going to be throughout all these. Alright, let's go to Dr. Shock and see if he can salvage this thing for me. Number 10 is May the Devil Take You, which, great pick, and great positioning there as well. Uh, Number 9 is the Clove Hitch Killer, which is great. Number 8 is Boarding School, which I still have yet to see. Number 7 is Mandy, we already talked about. Number six is The Endless. The Endless is another movie as I was not nearly as high on as anyone else. Number five is Incident in the Ghostland, which we talked about. Number four is Apostle, which is great. Number three is Good Manners, but was not something I saw at the time of this list, and I don't think I saw May the Devil Take You either when these lists came out. Number two is A Quiet Place, and then number one is Terrified, which, again, fell more flat for me than anything else. Now let's get to this listener list and see how I line up. So number 10 for them was Terrified. Talked about that. Number 9 is Summer of 84, which I was really pleased with. I remember really liking that and thinking, oh, well, maybe this will be a good list. And I hadn't seen Terrified at the time either, I don't think, so. Number 8 was The Ritual, which I liked, but nowhere near that much. Number 7 was The Endless. Number 6 was Revenge. Number 5 was Annihilation. Number 4 was Mandy. Number 3 was Halloween. So there's a stretch from... Seven, two, three of movies that weren't even in my top 25 for the year, when we're looking at it now. And then you've got A Quiet Place and Hereditary, which I think those are the two best movies of the year. So that's fine. You're not always going to line up, but I just felt like especially the listener list, I was way off on. I mean, you've got six movies on that list that did not make my top 25. And this is representing a lot of listeners. I think there were like 70 listeners that sent lists in. So let's get back to my list and talk about these big movies that didn't make my list and why they didn't make my list. Let's start with the lowest hanging fruit. We've got Revenge. And, I mean, if you look at my bottom three, those might be in some people's top ten. But Revenge, I don't... I think it was just rough for me to get through with the sexual violence at the beginning and all that stuff. And I... Listen... I am open to re-watching Revenge someday, and hopefully turning around on it. I just could not stand that movie. And it, it just didn't yeah. It didn't get any better. It started out bad for me and it just did not get any better. So that's one I'm definitely open to rewatching. And then you have Possum. And Possum is one that weren't wasn't on any of those lists, but it did have a pretty good reputation around the community. Now, I watched Possum and thought it was one of the most dull experiences that I've had in a horror movie, really. I didn't like Possum at all. Possum is not one that I I care to revisit. I'm happy living in the I-don't-like-Possum camp. That's fine. Now, next up on the bottom of my list is Mandy. And again, if everything else didn't get me already... This is going to do it. This is going to do me in. My podcast is going to be canceled. I'm going to be done. Let me set up the scene for Mandy. So Mandy came out in September, I remember. It came out the Friday that was a week and a day before my wedding. I got married on the next Saturday. My wife was out of town because she was in another wedding the weekend before ours. And I was... Home Alone. This was before I had kids. I saw something about Mandy a few weeks earlier. I think, like, Bloody Disgusting or someone had it on their website. I was like, this sounds awesome. I have to watch this the first night it's out. So that was all I was thinking about that day. Is going home, renting Mandy, and watching it. So I did. I didn't see any reviews. I hadn't heard anyone talking about it. I was completely blind on this movie. I rent Mandy. I watch it. I can't tell you how underwhelmed I was with Mandy. And how the -the over-the-topness just went right over my head, and I did not connect with that movie in almost any part of it. And then you start hearing rumblings of Mandy being people's favorite movie of the year, and me sitting here with my jaw on the floor. And I just couldn't connect the dots. I was just trying to figure out... Why, why is Mandy getting all this praise? Why is Mandy up so high on this list? I, to this day... I mean, maybe the visuals are cool and everything like that, and people can argue the same thing about movies that I like, for sure. But I still can't understand the appeal of Mandy... Mandy is a movie I probably will never watch again because I was able to grasp everything that happened in Mandy. That's not like there was some higher meaning or anything like that in Mandy. It was just a visual showcase and masterpiece, and i that's what I'm hearing anyway, and I, it just did not connect with me. It was a swing and a miss. While we're talking about movies I absolutely hated and one that is not on my list at all, why is that? Because an hour and 45 minutes in, I had to turn off this snooze fest. Let me talk to you about Suspiria 2018. Anyone who knows me knows that Suspiria 1977 is one of my top three all-time horror movies. I love that thing. And I love Dario Argento and so many of his films. He's one of my favorite horror directors, you know, period. When rumblings of a remake started happening, I was actually very excited for it. And I really wanted to rush out and see this thing. The problem was it was playing at limited theaters around me, and I just, you know, we went on a honeymoon not too long before that, and for whatever reason I was just not able to go see this movie in theaters. But luckily, or unluckily... It came to Redbox just after the turn of the year. This meant it wouldn't make my top ten list for HMP, but there was a chance it would make my top ten list overall. I mean, I loved the original. I'd love to see a new take on it. And then I started seeing images coming out of the movie, particularly the one that is still unletterboxed, with all of them in their Very best Lilu cosplay. And I started to sour on the whole thing. And then I watched it. And the more I watched it, the more angry I got. And the more miserable I felt. And the more I just wanted to take this rented disc out and break it in half. This was one time, and listen... Yeah, I can very much... I'm not the most, I'm not the person who is the most precious about the things that they love and the older things that they love. I mean, I actually, to some degree, like all of the Star Wars sequel trilogy, even though, you know, I was a huge fan of the originals growing up and those movies aren't the same thing. They don't do it justice, really. I can look past that and like those. I don't, get so defensive with the things that I love that I'm not open to seeing something new although it turns out with the Halloween remakes and the Suspiria remakes not exactly good for a couple of my top three movies now if they remake an American Werewolf in London I'm probably not even going to watch that that will complete my trifecta at the top and yeah it's probably not a good idea to watch that but long story short that ends up not even making my list because I couldn't finish the thing. I had so much disdain for it. Now, I am open to re-watching this at some point. But wow, was I so incredibly off-put by that movie. And that is most definitely my most hated movie of 2018. And then I start seeing it in people's top ten list. And people talking about how great it is. And, you know... I am open. I am open to rewatching it. But I just really hope that I come up on that one a little bit. I don't know. Same thing with this next one I want to talk about, which is Terrified. That was obviously in a lot of people's best of list. And I think there's a sequence in a bedroom with a camera that I really like. The rest of the movie kind of fell flat for me, but I'm... For sure open to rewatching that at some point. Another movie that I don't really have hate or dislike for is Incident in a Ghostland. I just didn't like it that much. I'm only mentioning it now. I don't really have strong feelings just because it was in top 10 list on HMP. But we do want to get to one that I do have a strong opinion for, and that was the Endless. Now the lead up in the Endless is great, and I absolutely loved it. And then we got to the part where things get a little bit trippy and get more sci-fi, and the movie just lost me. It completely lost me. Now, I'd still give it around a 7, I think. I still really did like it. It's just I didn't think it was near top 10 material, and to follow up, I did watch Resolution after, before anyone asked, and... I thought Resolution was okay. I mean, it's about the same for me, about the same score range. Now, I do love, by Benson and Moorhead, Spring and Synchronic. So, take that as you will. But, The Endless just did not hit for me like it did with other people. Then we take a big leap up, and we're at Halloween at number 28 on my list, so we're here, Annihilation is 26, Halloween is 28, I've already talked enough about Halloween, that's fine, Annihilation, I really liked, and I really need to rewatch Annihilation, because Annihilation is one that I really liked to lead up, and I thought was really creepy in the lead up, and just absolutely hated the ending, and I think that had a lot to do with that, and I think it played a lot into that. The last thing I want to talk about is my number 27 movie, which is Overlord, which was the other one that I re-watched this week, and this one fell out of my top 10. I must have been really high on it when I watched it the first time, because it plummeted down my list from being in the top 10 to being at number 27. And I remember that theater experience. It wasn't a great theater experience. It was a packed, sold-out theater on a Sunday morning. And, yeah, I don't know. I just really liked that movie in the theater, Came way down on it later. All right. So that's kind of what I wanted to end to one was wrapping up with my list and going into, you know, why, why does it feel this way? Why am I so disjointed from this year? And I just did. I felt like I was out on an island. So what I want to do is I want to hear what some of your experiences have been like with these types of movies. What movies have you dropped lower because people love them it's okay to admit it it's fine what movies do you hate that other people love you know what was there a certain year that you felt like you were completely disconnected from everyone in the community and their list let me know let me know your stories and you don't have to give it out in public that's fine but I just want to do this quicker bonus episode to dig into that a little bit and talk about some of my experiences hoping that other people will open up their experiences and we can just get over this hump and rate things what we want to rate them and feel about films what we want to feel about them. I've definitely got some rewatches to do from these lists, and I will gladly do them when the time comes. But until next time, you can keep it here all October long for weekly Screaming Through the Ages episodes. You can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast or at ScreamingThroughTheAges.com. I ask if you're enjoying this to please share it with your friends or leave a rating to help the podcast get out to more people. You can also send an email to the show at ScreamingThroughTheAges at Yahoo.com or leave a voicemail to be heard on the show at 740-297-6556. With all that being said, keep your eye on your favorite podcast feed for your next bi-weekly horror movie history lesson.